We've heard about the Father, and I'm here to talk to you tonight about the Son, Jesus. When we read the Bible, we see that the Father plans salvation, the Son accomplishes salvation, and the Spirit applies salvation in our daily life. He accomplished salvation by leaving the Father's side, by leaving heaven, which is actually really cool because in every other religion, we have to climb the mountain to get to God. But in Christianity, God comes down the mountain to us. He lives a perfect life. He dies in our place on the cross, and he rises again. What's the reason that he does it? A lot of you might look at Jesus and Christianity and just see it as judgmental. The church judges me. I I never belong there. I'm not going to step foot in there because I just feel judgment. But listen to this verse. John 3.17. This is why he did it. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You see, this isn't about condemnation. It's not about judgment. It's about setting you free. Now think about the things in your own life. I've thought about the things in my own life that keep us from being free. In all my years of doing ministry, and as I've met with women over the years, common themes continue to rise to the top over and over again. In the over 15 years of ministry that Mark and I have done together, first in junior high ministry, then young adults, and now leading Village Church, what I've realized is that it doesn't matter what age a woman is at or what stage a woman is at. These two things continually rise to the top as issues that women deal with. The top issue, in my experience, that women deal with in the Western world is anxiety. Anybody out there relate? We have this anxiousness and fear, everybody to a different degree, everybody handles it differently, but we all seem to have anxiety. Anxiety about finding the right match to marry. Anxiety about finances, about our jobs. How many of us have stayed awake thinking about our children? I've seen this in my own life, I've shared before, But I was born into a loving Christian home. I had no reason to have fears. I hadn't experienced anything traumatic in my life, and yet most of my earlier memories are me just paralyzed with fear. Fear of everything, except for public speaking. I always loved being the center of attention. (laughs) But I feared everything else, rational and irrational. Because nobody can actually put a label on if it's rational. Because if it's fear to you, it's fear to you. And so I feared everything. And some were circumstantial. It didn't help that my brother, who's 10 years older than me, and my dad were both in the funeral business. That's really good for a kid with fear. I realized pretty young that, just like Steph experienced in her life, people still died on Christmas. My dad still went out to do pickups on Christmas. And I remember being like, what? What do you mean? Doesn't Jesus take a break on Christmas? It hit me so hard. At night, I would sit up, and I would have to make sure every person was in my house before I could go to sleep. 
which also didn't help because my dad would go out in the middle of the night to do pickups. And I would then sit up in my bed and I would just wait and I would just stare at the door and I would just shake and just stare and stare and imagine, I imagined every person's funeral. I had my own funeral planned by the age of 10. Every, at that time I wanted a white casket and everybody was gonna sign their names on it. <laughs> it was a real thing. It didn't help, I feared death every time I went to sleep and it didn't help that my parents had, from the time I was born, this um, cross stitch up on my wall. Now I lay down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Could have added, I'm not saying I've had a little therapy over my parents, they did their best. I feared things like if my mom or dad talked to somebody of the opposite sex, I was sure they were leaving our family and starting a new family somewhere else. Like they could have just been like, hey, how's your day? I'd be like, oh my goodness, they're having an affair. Oh no. I had a fear of cats. That one still has not gone away. A couple years ago, we were at our friend's house at this beautiful dining room table with a group of people eating this beautiful meal. And I had asked them when I came in, I'm like, did you put your cats away? Because I have an extreme fear of cats. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we put our cats away. They didn't put the cat away. We're eating this dinner. All of a sudden, I felt something brush my leg. I was on the table, on my plate, weeping in the fetal position. I'm not joking, you can confirm that with Mark. Fully weeping, having a panic attack because the cat touched me. Some fears are not rational, but to me, please never invite me over if you have a cat. Don't do it. I was held captive by fear until I finally gave up control. I finally gave my life holy to Christ. See, I had chosen to follow Christ at a young age, but it wasn't until I was 24. I was pregnant with Sienna, my first daughter, and I had had endometriosis leading up to that, and they said, you better start getting pregnant because it might not happen for you. I was pregnant with her, and just a few months in, my doctors, we found out that I had a hole in my bowel, and it was causing E. coli to just run through my body. And they said, we need to do surgery immediately, but there's no way to track your baby, so we don't know if she's gonna make it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna do the noble thing. I'm sure I saw a movie about this once, and I'm like, I'm just going to basically be on my deathbed until she comes in like five months, and then we'll give birth, and then you can deal with me. And they're like, no, no, you don't understand. If you don't do this surgery now, you'll both be dead. We lived on our own. Mark and I were still only a couple years into our marriage, and I had surgery after surgery. And I realized as I laid there that my life was not my own. Sometimes it takes situations to actually see things for what they are. You see, I had spent my whole life, I feel from my own experiences, that a lot of fear and anxiety is a control issue. I felt like if I was always side by side with my mom that nothing would ever happen to her. If I sat up and stared at the door that I would will my father to come home. But it wasn't until I gave up control that I finally found freedom. The beautiful thing about Jesus is that when he goes to the cross, it says, in Luke 22, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, 
and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus is going to the cross and he's actually sweating blood because he's afraid. You see, what you get in Christianity, it's not a distant God, but it's a God who's been anxious in your place. He was anxious in my place, so I don't have to be. The second big thing that I see women face over and over is the pressure from the world around us to fit a certain mold. What we think they think we should be. I spent 30 years of my life trying to fit a mold. I tried to be the perfect daughter, the perfect student, the perfect wife, the perfect daughter-in-law. It's not worth it. <laughs> You'll never, never succeed. <laughs> I tried to be perfect in everything that I could. I tried to be the perfect friend, which actually meant that I never had deep-rooted friendships because I was always trying to be who I thought they wanted me to be. So we'd go into these situations and I would leave and every time I had the worst stomach pains and I would be so sick and I would just recount every conversation that I had over and over and over in my mind on replay. Wondering, do they really like me for who I am? If we want to talk about molds, I am a pastor's wife. The world's perception that we've put on and we think the world thinks, which I don't even think the world thinks this anymore, is that pastors' wives should be a certain way. They should act a certain way. They should be meek and mild and submissive, which totally is me. <laughs> but on the other hand, they should also be very outgoing and the first person to make contact with you. You shouldn't have to say hi to a pastor's wife. They should always be willing and available to approach you first. And I started to like see like in my experiences, what is going on? Why do people think that you have to be this way? And so when we started Village Church, I was like, wait a second, we get to start the slate clean. What if it was just okay to be me? Would it be okay? Would people actually accept me? The fact that I'm sometimes a little too sarcastic. I do have to apologize to somebody for something I said earlier. I didn't mean it. I was just, it's just the way I talk. It means we're close. <laughs> and I started Instagramming a couple, that is a true thing. I do Instagram, so if you don't follow me, thanks. <laughs> Aaron.e.com. Uh, I don't know who took Aaron Clark straight up, but I started Instagramming and I started, I got a couple messages, two critical messages saying, you're a pastor's wife. You should just be a light and share scripture. I'm not joking. Those were messages. And I was like, Mark, is this a thing? Should I not be? And I, every like month I'd be like, I think I'm just canceling Instagram because I can't keep up. Am I allowed to be me? Do I have to be this? Do I have to be that? And he's like, no, 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 babe, you just be you. Don't worry. And then what started happening is I started getting these encouraging messages from women and men, ministry, non-ministry, young, old, saying, because you're yourself, because you share stories that are probably inappropriate to share to the public world, 
that I gave them to permission to be themselves. Because our society has built up ministry families as something that never should have been built up. We're all walking the same journey. We're all Christ followers wanting to follow Christ. That's our goal. It doesn't matter what job you have. And see, what it did was people's perception of what a pastor's wife should look like, what a pastor's wife should act like, that all went aside because they saw me as the human being that I am. And what you'll find and what I found is when your identity is so deeply rooted in Christ, it becomes like this armor around you. And all the stuff just starts banging off of you. It can't get in. You just start to care less about what people say. And at the beginning, that's really hard, especially for a people pleaser, to be like, you know what? Your words mean nothing to me because I know who I am in Christ. I know that every day I fall short and I needed Christ to come on my behalf. You see, there's two ways that we can get through life. One is without the sun, and one is with the sun. Without the sun, when circumstances in my life go wrong, our husband cheats on us. We find out that our son has gone to heaven. We get an illness. We're angry with God and myself. I'm a good person. I deserve a comfortable life. But with the son, when circumstances go wrong, I struggle. But I know that God may allow this for my growth, and he'll exercise his fatherly love within my circumstance. My earthly dad, he showed me this time and time and time again. When I was 17, I started modeling. I was the down under naturals girl. You know, the one with the koala bear? It was a real thing. I didn't get herbal essences, but I got that one. So if you have that at home, I was their girl. But I got this audition, and they said, this is going to make your modeling career. But they also told me how I was supposed to dress for this audition, which went totally against my moral compass for how I dressed and how I wanted to be perceived to the world. And I talked to my parents openly, as I always did, and my dad was like, why would you want to go for this audition? It's going against everything that you stand for. Why would you want the job? And I'm like, because they said it's going to make my career. He's like, okay, why don't you do it, but I'll go with you. I'll drive you. He showed me. He let me walk into something, but he was there. And I get upstairs, and these two men are up there, and they're like, just take a look at the book first to make sure you're comfortable with it. I'm like, why wouldn't I be comfortable with it? And I opened it. Why is that ball in her mouth? Oh, why is she holding a whip with no pants? Oh my gosh, I ran out of there so fast. But on my way out, I saw other girls from my agency who were even younger than me. Their dads weren't around. They just sent them on this audition because it could make their career. And I took that walk of shame back to the car, and I was ready for it. And my dad just said, did you learn something? He walked it through with me. He allowed me to enter in, 
but he was by my side. Without the sun, when I'm criticized, I'm furious. I'm devastated because it's essential to see myself as a good person. Threats to that must be destroyed at all cost. But with the sun, when I'm criticized, I struggle. But it isn't essential for me to think of myself as a good person. My identity isn't built on performance, but on God's love for me in Christ. I recognize that I'm not a good person, only he is a good person. The whole point of Christianity is that we're sinful, so we needed him to be good for us. I gotta tell you, and my friends can attest to this, I was a much better friend when I was trying to control. Because I did the right things and I said the right things, and I've kinda let myself go since then, because I'm like, you know what? God is good for me, <laughs> it's okay. I, this week, and this is a common thing, it's not something I'm proud of, but it's just the way it is, and it's not getting better. I had 163 unread messages, text messages, on my phone. These aren't from strangers, these are actually from people I love and do life with. These are from my friends. I just can't do it, I just can't respond. Like, I'm like, you know I love you, right? But I can actually only have like two people in my, in my world at a time. I can serve you really well, you two people. And then I got a shift, so just wait there while I take care of these two people. I'm not a long-term, I'm a long-term friend. I'm a good friend, <laughs> right? I am a good friend, but you also have to pursue me too. <laughs> but here's the thing. Everything that I've talked about it isn't static stages in your life. Like you have anxiety or you care about the pressures of the world and then you become a Christian and you don't have these anymore. That's not the way it works. What it is, is that in these moments, and they will come whether you haven't experienced any of these things yet, whether it's tomorrow or next week, they will come. The question is, What is it in those moments that you have? You either have nothing to imply to your anxiety or the pressures, or you have the sun. You have God, and he sets you free. Two nights ago, I was working on my talk, and I was just pouring over these verses, and I went to sleep, and I woke up with a start at 3 o'clock in the morning with a most terrible, terrible dream. And it put me in a panic mode that I haven't experienced in 10 years. And I was sitting there and I just couldn't like gain control. And I was just trying to like grasp, what do I do? And the dream, we were hiking. I don't even know why we were hiking. That's, that itself is a nightmare for our family. We're hiking on this mountain. And it was quite beautiful, and the girls were walking a few steps behind me, and I kept looking back to them, and I kept saying, watch out, don't go too close to the right. Don't go too close to the right, because you'll fall. And the funny thing is, is that it actually was just steep. It wasn't like a hangover. But what I didn't realize was that to the left, it was completely open. And as I told them, don't go to the right, I see Bella take a leap, and she loses her footing. 
and she falls off the cliff, and she, not on the good side, but on the bad side, and she just kept falling. And she kept looking up at me, reaching me, yelling my name, just screaming, and I couldn't do anything. I just had to watch her fall. I couldn't breathe, and I just kept, I was like, oh my goodness, is it because I put pictures of my kids on Instagram? I think I need to cancel Instagram. And I'm like, is it because I just bought that new bed frame? I don't know if I should have bought that bed frame. I'm trying to cancel it on Wayfair that night. I'm like, what is it? And you see, without this sun, I would have stared at the ceiling all night. I could have gone up to Bella's bed and and just held her and hoped that those feelings went away and hoped that nothing ever bad would happen to her. But instead, what I had was the sun. I was able to open up my Bible and I kept reading those words just over and over and over. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. He had fears just like me. And I was able to receive comfort from the sun, comfort from God. I have something that transcended my circumstances, a comfort in his words and the promises of God. And here's the crazy part about that dream. Here's a week where I am coming here to talk about the sun. Where a father gives up his son knowing that he was going to die in my place. And as Jesus is on the cross and he's looking up to God, he's saying, I have a father. If you can take this from me, take it. He's like crying out like Bella was crying out to me, Mom! And that look in my eyes, God reminded me. And he was like, Aaron... I just wanted to give you a glimpse of what it felt for me to look down into my child's eyes. Here's a glimpse of the pain that I endured for you. This was the son's role. This was done for you. Now the question is, what are you going to do with it?